The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Men on the face of the earth, Chase Madorsky and Alex Spector. Welcome to episode 30 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Episode 30, it is Parrot Day, Double E, Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, I don't have the time to go into my whole usual Yankee rant uh, because coming up, joining Sam, Bryce, and myself is the one, the only entertainer and fantasy football extraordinaire, Lisa Ann. Stay tuned for that interview. Um, but before we get to that, uh, Lisa is a big fan of the Bovada Sportsbook platform. Uh, she, in fact, cleaned up and hit a $465 14 parlay this weekend on the website. Uh, me personally, I haven't hit one of those in probably two, three months. Bryce, how about you? Uh, I actually took a big break after I got a speeding ticket. Didn't really have the funds to go towards my drinking habit and my gambling habit. One of them had to go, so I have not hit a big parlay in a while. Was out in Jersey last week, watched the Giants, Danny Dimes get the win, and lost 25 bucks in the process. So right now, the only game that Bavada has on tap for the postseason is the NL wildcard game. So we will go right into that. Uh, and I guess this will kind of cut short our playoff preview a little bit. It'll be a preview of the preview uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, Brandon Woodruff on the hill for the Brewers. Max Scherzer for the Nationals. Bavada has this at plus 1.5, minus 135, plus 161 for Milwaukee. Minus 1.5, plus 115, minus 186 for the Nats. I think the Brewers, I mean, the past two Septembers have been absolutely magical for them. We've talked about the past two weeks, the runs that they've gone on without Yelich, uh, this year especially, once he went down with that knee injury. I don't know why he said the past two years. He played all last September and won the MVP because of it. Um, but all that said, I think today, or tomorrow, excuse me, when the game is, I think Cinderella's run is coming to an end. Scherzer is as due as he's been for a very long time for a dominant outing. And I think the Nationals finally get the playoff win that they've been looking for. Give me Nats minus 186 in this one. Uh, what does Bovada have the Brewers odds at? Plus 161, plus one and a half, minus 135. I'm going to take the Brewers to win the game. I think Scherzer lets up an early homer and the Nats dig themselves a hole they can't get out of. Brewers just bullpen the hell out of the game like the Brewers tend to do. They'll bullpen it and Scherzer gives up that early long ball and that's too much for the Nats. I'm with you. I am uh, want the Brewers to win, so I'm picking them to win. All right, so without revealing who we think is going to win the World Series, uh, right now Bovada does have the World Series odds of the playoff teams. Um, the biggest underdog 
is the Tampa Bay Rays at plus 2,500, and the Houston Astros, Bovada has them at plus 210 as the favorites to win the World Series. In between you, Dodgers plus 275, Yanks plus 425, Braves plus 750, Cardinals plus 1,000, Nats plus 1,500, Twins and A's plus 1,600, and the Brewers plus 2,200. So I'm not going to ask you guys who your World Series pick is because then we'll totally spoil what we have planned for the late, later in the show. Um, but who do you guys think is the best value right now on the eve of postseason? The Atlanta Braves. You think Braves are plus 750? Braves are plus 750. Their lineup's as good as anyone's, and that's as important as anything. They can hit the crap out of the ball. If Acuna comes back healthy, it's, very, it's a very easy case to make that he's the best player in the playoffs. With Soroka, Freed, Keiko, one, two, three, I think Braves plus 750 is a very good bet. I think I'm actually going to go take it. I, I have to agree. I think that looking at it is kind of the easy value pick. I also think you got to look at the Yanks. You're getting four to one. It's hard to take bias out of it, but getting four to one on your money for the Yanks to win the World Series, they've looked incredible. Doesn't really look like anything injuries or otherwise can stop them so far this year. Um, so that's a, a secondary one to consider. I agree with both of those. I, I, to me, the Dodgers plus 275 set a franchise record this year for wins in a season. Coming off of back-to-back World Series losses, they have something to prove. I think alongside Houston, two deepest teams in baseball, if you can get them at almost 3-1 to one odds, I think especially going into the playoffs when you know exactly what the Dodgers are health-wise, it's really hard not to jump at that. I'm seeing a little bit of a Jim Kelly situation, lose a couple in a row lose a couple more in a row um i i would bet that the uh world series winner comes out of the al are we allowed to i i think i actually talked myself into the braves i think i just convinced myself that the braves are going to win the world series all right so hold on that world series preview real quick we are going to go to our interview with lisa uh we got a good half or an hour or so uh, of interviewing her. She's an absolute pleasure to have on. Uh, so enjoy that. And then coming up after the break and after the interview, we'll go into the final standings, your final league leaders, preview the first round of the playoffs, and do a little managerial carousel for the first time. Welcome, listeners. Uh, today we are joined by a very special guest. You can hear her every Monday on Lisa and Does Fantasy on Sirius XM. Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, please welcome the one and only Lisa Ann to the Underdog Sports MLB show. Hello there. How's everybody doing today? Doing great, Lisa. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, we're really looking forward to chat. I agree. I'm looking forward to it as well. I've been listening to some of your podcasts and just always excited to talk sports. Fantastic. So uh, we'll jump right into it. Many people know you for your role in the entertainment industry, but at what point did you develop your love of fantasy sports and sports in general? You know, I was born kind of in a sports family. My mom was incredibly into basketball, and she was actually a basketball mom for Lafayette College. So she would go and cook for all the home games for the away players to have something to eat before they got on the bus. And so we ended up being able to go to every single home uh, college basketball game and you know when your life starts to revolve around something and you love it so much and it's such an escape from everything else that you got going on there's no chores and you're sitting at a basketball game so as a young girl I was completely enamored um, and then following from there my dad was really into football and college football so I didn't learn baseball till later on in life and I didn't learn baseball until I learned it to play fantasy baseball which I know that you understand is very complex. 
Yeah, we uh, know that all too well. Uh, in fact, a weekly dispute between Sam and I, who's also on the line, is my one team won the fantasy championship, and the team that I share with Sam finished in absolute dead last. Uh, so that's been a friendly point of contention between Sam and myself. Um, do you have a favorite baseball team? Uh, I do a head-to-head fantasy baseball league every year, yes. I did a 14-team uh, Roto League my first two years playing fantasy baseball. My first year I finished in last place. My second year I finished in second place. And when I finished in second place, I went to my boss and I said, hey, I don't want to flip. These guys are too good. They're too on it. They never miss a wire pickup. Like, they've been doing this for years. I'm just going to go and run a league on Yahoo with my listeners for my show. It'll be head-to-head. It'll be a little bit more fun for me so I can stay engaged. He was like, I totally understand. You know, and not everybody wants to go. It's a grind. Fantasy baseball is such an incredible grind. Yeah. Fa- uh, hey, Lisa, I'm Bryce. Uh, we've all, Hi, Bryce. Chase, Sam, and I, we all work to camp together. So uh, those seven weeks off in the summer makes fantasy baseball almost impossible for the three of us. But uh, do you have a favorite sport to watch, a favorite sport to bet on, or any uh, gambling advice for someone like myself who can't seem to stop losing? Okay, my favorite sport to watch is basketball. Um, there's quite a few sports that I think are really fun to bet on. Um, basketball, football, you know, baseball being one of them. But there's so many other things like golf because I like to watch. And it just makes it so much more intense if people think golf is too slow-paced to really get into it. You know what? Throw some money down. Changes everything. Throw some money down on that on that PGA Tour. And you will when you, when you bet golf, Lisa... Do you bet yeah. where, top five, top ten? So I'll do DFS lineup. So, you know, you lose your man, you're out for the whole series, right? You're out for the whole, the whole weekend. Um, so I do a lot of DFS, and then now I'm going to start doing top five and top ten, yes. It's similar to fantasy football and fantasy baseball. You know, you start to get to know players in the rhythm. You start to get to know where they match up really well. Do some players play better on the road or at home? You know the advantages of certain parks. It's the same thing with golf courses. So, Lisa, uh, right now we are in, right in the middle of fantasy football season, uh, and I actually want to thank you for giving me some free advice on your Twitter live stream yesterday. That, um, we you talked, told me and that, I didn't know it was you. Oh, well, I was going to save it, it for that today. Has so kind we had of a, a creeper effect, doesn't it? Let's talk about this. <laughs> it has a really cool creeper effect, like. We've already engaged, but I didn't know that till just now. This is great. So, the, give you good advice? You, uh, so the two things you gave me advice on, one was, um, do you think Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, is for real? Um, and I would say that the Giants won, which was more important for me. Uh, the other was, you thought Michelle was going to find the end, uh, which he didn't. Uh, but please don't take this the wrong way. Uh, I did end up still benching him. But it's probably the right thing so, to do because, you know, I, I realized yesterday Danny Dimes turned into Danny Diamond two nickels. And we're going to count the nickels of the two interceptions that he threw, okay? I can live with that. You know what? If it's two nickels and a Giants win, uh, I'm very happy. Oh, my gosh. Um, but you a Giants speaking, fan in the house? Two Giants fans. I was at the game yesterday. It hasn't been that much fun at MetLife in a long time. I'm excited for you. This is what I love about sports. I, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan. Yes, we took a loss. We've had a good run. Um, it's just great to see this type of thing. You know, when Danny Dimes came in, I felt like losing Saquon Barkley was so crushing in week three. And fans were just so emotionally distraught. And it was like, 
ripping the Band-Aid off. And then Danny Dimes came in and kind of glazed that over a little bit. I was like, oh, this is what I love about sports stories and how the dynamics really work on the emotions of the fans. Oh, I mean, I'll be the first one to say it, Lisa. When we drafted Daniel Jones, I was uh, about an hour into the Avengers Endgame premiere. And when I got the text from my brother, from Bryce, who's on the line with us, and everyone just saying, fuck, 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 uh, I figured we were drafting Daniel Jones. Okay, listen. The fact that you allow yourself to get text messages when you're in the movies is wrong. Yeah, Chase, you indicted yourself on a cardinal sin. As a big movie goer, I can't believe you do it's that. A, it's a great movie. Why would you do that, first and foremost? And second of all, let's all live in the moment, because you could have found out and been annoyed an hour later. Oh, I mean, I didn't explicitly know that Jones got picked in. I just figured by everyone's language that was the case. But the Giants don't pick in the top ten too, too often. Um, and this was a franchise-changing pick, so I needed to know. Yeah, I know. We've, you know, I hope that Saquon can come back in a limited time. You know, I, I think that he'll come back faster than when you think six to eight weeks. I think four to six weeks. So, Lisa, one of the companies that you work with uh, is Bovada Sportsbook. And they, for tonight, currently have the line at the Bengals-Steelers game uh, for Bengals plus three and a half, plus 155 money line. Uh, which AFC North team do you see getting their first win tonight? Okay, listen, I know this is going to sound crazy, and I'm not on a lucky streak with it this weekend. You know how betting is. Last weekend, I was really lucky. I bet the unders all the way across the board, and I did really well with it. I just picked three teams that I felt the under could go. I went with that theory this week, and it hasn't worked out for me, but I'm not going to quit it. Um, This is one of those scenarios where Andy Dalton can be that quarterback where everybody goes out and, like, tries to trade for him because let's face it, he's not even on a waiver wire, which is kind of where he deserves to be. I've had some bad seasons due to Andy Dalton's big games and then his bad games, you know, when his picks outweigh his touchdowns as an owner, it's crushing you. And so I just have this feeling, you know, Mason Rudolph, this is his first home game. The jitters are going to be even bigger. Um, yes, they've had more time to work together, but man, Ben is no one realizes what a difference maker Ben was for Juju not being Antonio. Juju can be a playmaker with Ben. So Antonio could be a playmaker right now with Mason Rudolph. You know, so I just look at the combination. And so for me, I just have this wild feeling that Andy Dalton, who has a 9-2 and record on Monday night, is going to go in there and make things happen. So I'm betting for the Bengals to win. Going with the Red Rocket. I am. What are you betting? This, to me, right is now, a game I'm not going to touch. I think it's a crowd. I, I would take the Bengals in this one. They're, they're Dalton's more experienced than Rudolph. Rudolph's never played a Monday night game. For this to be his first home start, it's a big ask of him, especially against an experienced guy stage. like Dalton. Now, the line Huge has stage. moved on Bovada. Right now, it's plus 155 on the win. I got in on Friday when it was plus 170 for the win. So, I'm feeling some juju. You know what I mean? I'm feeling excited. Smart money's going towards the Bengals this week. Right. Now, basketball season's going to be a new wave of experience for me because this is going to be my first basketball season really aggressively playing on Bavada. And the thing with basketball that I love about fantasy basketball is you literally set your lineup every day, and then I look at it like, oh, I know what games are on tonight. That is just what I think about first thing in the morning, 
first thing I do during basketball season, go tinker with my lineup, and then I map out my day, and I know what time I'm going to be home to make sure I'm watching this game while I, like, work on my computer or do whatever. And I'll watch two, three games a night. So I can see myself being engaged every day as opposed to just waiting for Thursday to start and having to, like, think about it all week which I think that fast action is great because it allows you not to overthink your situation, allows you not to gather too much news. I benched Matthew Stafford this week because of all the talk about his hip. When, had that not have been something I had enough days to think about, I would have been like, you know what, Matthew Stafford's never missed a game. He's going to go out there and play. And, so and I, I didn't play him. So I got to ask, because you mentioned the NBA, um, we've actually been at games where you have been at Celebrity Row at Madison Square Garden. Um, so as Knicks fans, do you have any ideas as to how the Knicks can fix themselves this season? I kind of think the Knicks' uh, problems are really bigger than their team and their players. They've got same similar Lakers situations. It's very organizational, right? Uh, you've got some leadership that I think is scaring away some of the showcase players that could be coming there and being incredible difference makers. Um, you know, a lot of nonsensical stuff, right? Now you see Brooklyn is really going to be the super team in New York, which is upsetting. I don't care how good or bad the Knicks play. I love Madison Square Garden, and I will go to a game. If they're, if, if they're, 50, if they're 50 losses and no wins, I'm still going. Just because I love the energy, I love the history at MSG, and I love to watch live basketball. Fantastic. Bryce, you got the uh, next question ready to go? Yeah, all right. Uh, I know the NFL season's only a quarter of the way done, a little under. Who would you say is the Super Bowl favorites right now in both conferences? Man, you, you just can't even. We're starting to look at Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs as if it's not a big deal what they do week after week after week. I mean, the Tyree Kill loss wasn't even a thing for Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs are going all the way to the Super Bowl. Do you agree? Yes, I, I disagree. I, I don't think oh. anyone beats New England. I don't know how anybody is going to go into Foxborough and beat Brady and Belichick. I understand that, but I think if anyone can do it, it can be this Mahomes-led team. Um, now, remember, we're only week four. Who's going to be left standing by the Super Bowl? Jules will always be there, Julian Edelman. No matter what, he's going he's gonna to go out there and fight it out. But I really expected more by now of Philip Dorsett. I really expected more usage of Josh Gordon. You've got to remember something. Brady's doing the same thing he does every week. He puts up what he needs to to win because he's a very smart player. He knows he's going to go through the playoffs. He's going to go all the way to the Super Bowl. He is resting his body and making sure he can make it there. Whereas Mahomes isn't. He's like, I'm going to put up three to four touchdowns a week every single week. And I think his offense can outscore Tom Brady. I, I, I agree that the Chiefs offense may be the best in the league, but I have a Patriots defense on my fantasy team, and they have won me four weeks in a row. Single head, that Actually, defense you know is the best week, in the league. This week, this was a good week for the um, defense. I played him in a Yahoo League. I think it was like 15 points, right? At least. Yeah, yeah. They're a good defense. I think they're the best defense that Brady's ever had. And as good as okay, Mahomes so, is. So you tell me. You think it's going to be the Patriots then? Who's going to be up against the Patriots this year? In your eyes. 
because we've seen the Super Bowl slump from the Los Angeles Rams, correct? Yeah, that was a bad loss against Tampa. I actually believe it. I would take a. I would take Green Bay. I think that defense has improved, and Rodgers likes the new coach. I think that's enough to get it done, and we'll get the the Brady Rodgers Super Bowl we've waited a long time for. That would I think be this year happens. epic. You're you're so correct. I, I mean, that would be an incredible Super Bowl to watch. I'm thinking it's going to be Brady Breeze at long last. The refs will screw I, over the Saints somehow. I, I just feel like the some situation is not going to be Super Bowl this year. I mean, I think the some yes, they can. If you watched yesterday, I'm sure you saw what they surgically put in for the movement of his thumb. But that's just really you're retraining. It's kind of like Cam Newton having to go out there retrain his throwing arm uh, after his surgeries and cleaning up all that that residue. So. I look at Breeze as maybe not this year. But, you know, I like where you're going there because I'm not worried about Devontae Adams' turf toe. Couldn't have happened on a better night. It was a Thursday night game, which means he has all this extra time to rest. Um, it was also great to see him come to life. Scantling can really get up in there. Um, do you think Jimmy Graham can come back to life uh, other than that week one Hail Mary that he gets in the end zone? You're like, should I pick up Jimmy Graham on waivers? Sure, I'll pick him up. He's done nothing since. I haven't played him, but. I just Jimmy Graham is, Sam, who's on the line, went to the University of Miami, so we're big Jimmy Graham fans here on the podcast. Okay, so can he come back to life? Because he's got the perfect quarterback. What's happening? Sam, is he coming back to life? What do you think? Uh, I, I don't know. He's getting up there in years, but uh, I sure hope so. Sure hope so. So, Lisa, one thing I have to ask, is we've talked about so many different sports and athletes, and you have publicly compared dating athletes to Victoria's Secret models for men. Are there any athletes that you've had relationships with that really stand out in your mind? I never named Talon. You guys know that by now. Everybody <laughs> knows that about me. You understand something? By me dropping names, I kill all my future games. It's like That's that why I'm the same way. All those tats. That's like that little rapper with all the tattoos on his face that isn't going into witness protection. Like, that's going to play out really well. How am I going to go out there and get more athletes, man? I think that was way better than any answer you could have given us. <laughs> I'm just being honest, just being real with you. That's the best answer on the board. Um, it is election so, season. And uh, obviously, the 20, 2008 election, you wrote some big promise with your Sarah Palin. I guess impressions is the word. Yes, yes. <laughs> Who's nailing we'll that one? Legendary. I, this is legendary. I'm still Actually, trying one to my, figure it out. One of my team names is called Nailing Talon. I got to think that team's in first place. Uh, not so much right now. I've had some, 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 this was a rocky week in that league. As a matter of fact, right before I do my Monday night show, I write out my 15 leagues, what the scores are, if I'm sweating any matchups, how many players I have left or my opponents. Then I write a list of bent MVP players and who I played over them um, and the total scores of that. So I do, I do all this data research, right, so that I can really have my finger on the pulse. Nail and Talon, I don't know if it's her divorce this year that was just announced. I don't know what it is. She's not bringing me luck this season. That's a shame. But uh, there are a lot more women candidates this, this go around. Could we see a return in the form of Elizabeth Warren or uh, Kamala Harris? You know what? It, it, I got so lucky doing that when it was fun, right? I think people have gotten way too serious, and politics, let's face it, are not quite as 
campy as they were in 2008 uh, when I was able to play Sarah Palin. And when I did that, that whole series, I also was in an Eminem video as Sarah Palin. And I, I like thought about the same video. thing. Like other rappers or people come to me and say, hey, so-and-so wants you to be in their music video. I'm like, listen, after you do an Eminem video, you never do another music video. You're good. You just say to yourself, I'm good. So I feel the same thing about the Sarah Palin thing. I'm like, oh, I already played Sarah Palin. I'm not going to play somebody else. I'm good. I can't trump that. So one thing, Lisa, that Bryce and I have been discussing uh, at length, really, the past week in preparation for this conversation is just by listening to somebody's voice, uh, are you able to typecast the type of role they would have in one of your films? Uh, and if so, could you do it for me and Bryce? Oh, okay. So um, I need one of you to say that you're here to deliver the pizza, and then one oh. of you can be the pool guy. Okay, but you each have to say it separately, and then I'm going to tell you who is going to fit in what role. Hey, I'm here to deliver the pizza. <laughs> Delivery for Miss Ann. Okay, and uh, pool guy? What, what does the cool guy say in these pool videos? Pool guy. No, pool guy. You know, pool guy. The pool, you got to clean oh, the pool. Pool, pool guy. <laughs> Sorry. You're um, already a cool guy. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm here to clean that pool. Oh, man, that pool is Why did you go with that accent? You went with some weird, like, you need to be on the bang bus bus in Miami accent. So that's where you go. You're on the bang bus. Um, And pizza delivery guy was a perfect pizza delivery guy. I'd like to keep him right there. He shows up at a really nice house. Of course, the greatest thing about adult films is this. Do you ever notice that the woman can never just be independently wealthy? There's always a husband that's not home. Always. Yeah, does that make it hotter? Is it because she's cheating? It makes it hotter? Wouldn't it be hotter? Yeah, I think that's what it is. No, I, think, okay. I think the cheating makes it hotter. There's well, that's not cool. I, 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 I wish it was otherwise. I didn't want this to be the truth. It's just what happens to be the case. I think the scenario you just described is exactly how I would cast myself because I had myself labeled as a plumber in one of the movies. Oh, you did? I was hoping for stepbrother or guy at gym. It is funny because I have a couple girlfriends in the business that I'm cool with, and we text once in a while, and we'll always text each other jokingly, like, so DirecTV is coming at four. I can't wait to see what they look like, because they never look like the guys (laughs) in the adult movies, of course, right? It's always some guy that you think has already killed eight people that day, and you're like, I think I'm going to die. So we always play that ongoing joke with each other, like, Plumber was here, was not what I was expecting, that kind of thing. So, so you kind of transitioned perfectly into my next question. Do you and your friends in the adult film industry uh, play fantasy sports together? And have you guys thought of maybe putting together some content as a team? Because I personally think it would be a massive hit. So it has been slow to get the commitment, but I have got the ball rolling. So far, I have a male performer, Isaiah Maxwell, in one of my leagues for my Friday night show on Fantasy Sports Radio. Um, and he just started playing last year, and they started an all-male performer league. Now, they wouldn't let me in that league because they were worried that I had been playing longer, so I'm bringing them over slowly. I have two girlfriends right now in the business that are playing, but I just haven't been able to find enough people to commit because, you know, it does take some sort of commitment. 
you have to be able to set your lineup and not forget and not be one of those people that just forgets about it after week five because no one likes to be in a league with people that quit. No, of course, you don't want an absentee fantasy yeah. on the worst, the worst thing. The worst thing that happens is when people stop checking the league week two, and then it's the worst. It's awful. Um, but like, it's I funny because I was talking to one of my girlfriends the other day about some of the lines on Bavada because she lives in Vegas and her and her friends go to the sports book a lot, and so we were just talking about different things, and so we started making like side bets on my bets. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know how these things grow with your friends where you do start doing more things, and they're like, all right, you're not right, so I'll, I'll give you 20 to nothing if that works out for you. Okay, good. Oh, um, so I know when Chase and I do this podcast, he hates to listen to the recording. As someone who's been in a fair share of movies, have you ever watched your own, have you watched your own production back? Okay, first and foremost, did you know that the best thing you can do to improve is listen to your own audio? I listen every week. I definitely do know that, Lisa. I just am one of those people that loves to talk but hates the sound of their own voice. Yo, listen, we do these training sessions through Sirius, which is incredible, and they bring someone in. That's the number one with the most popular, amazing host that I love the most. They're like, I hate the sound of my voice. I can't listen to myself. Are you crazy? And it's funny because what I do is right when I'm done, right when I'm starting my show, I go on the SiriusXM app, I pause it. And then when I'm done with my show, I listen to my whole show and just fast forward through the commercials. And I write notes on things like for a while I was saying 100% way too many times a show. I was like, if I could just go in the edit software and take out eight times, that would sound better. So I do it to critique myself and to get better. But when it comes to watching my scenes, yeah. So I've edited my own content. Um, I've produced my own content, so I've been on every single angle of it. I've watched it with, you know, with a guy here and there. I'm not really overly critical of myself because I look at us like stunt people, right? Girls in the business, guys in the business, performers. You know, we do a lot of things that other people, like, want to but don't know how to or maybe they're not comfortable being exposed or vulnerable in front of everybody, and I feel like when you're in this small percentage of people where this has no, you have no qualms with this, like this is your jam, um, you can watch yourself without being judgmental because it's a liberating experience doing it. And it's also such a cool thing that it's legitimately legal in the United States to do it for a living. I mean, how crazy is that? It's not legal in every country to make adult films. Australia, it's not legal. Um, so, you know, I, I look at it like this is a pretty cool gig and I got to travel the whole world doing it and I worked a lot less hours for a lot greater amount of money than many people. So I was able to grow myself in other directions, like learning a new trade, you know, learning about this fantasy sports business, being able to put my 30 hours a week into managing my teams. You know, I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't set my life up that way. So Lisa, our last question we have for you is you mentioned learning fantasy sports, what would you say has been more stressful, uh, your career as a fantasy sports analyst or as an actress? That's a great question. Now I may elevate, you might be a professor in an adult film. You know, the way you articulated <laughs> that, I pictured you standing in an all-girls school, of course, you know. Um, it's a college, of course, because they're all 18 and 19. And they're all just staring at you mesmerized. Um, back to your question. 
I think probably adult films because it was, there's so much that comes with it, right? Doing this, you know, I really love doing radio. I really love listening to podcasts. I really enjoy hearing people talk more than I like watching TV. If I do watch TV, it's sports. I have a couple of shows that I follow, but I'm not like The Bachelor or all these shows because I'd rather be listening. And I feel like you really get to know somebody by listening and, and hearing their stories. And so I have found being in the fantasy sports business and now I really love listening to the v Network on Sirius. So it's done in Vegas or at the casinos. They have all these sports book guys come on, and I just love the whole stories they tell. And, and so I'm falling into this thing where and then Bavada comes into my life, and I'm like, all of this is really like a major pastime slash hobby turned into like a gig where on a regular basis I say to myself like, huh, this is your gig. Like, you're, this is your game. Like, this is, this is fantastic. And the fact that I get to do pretty much everything I want from home, um, me being out in the world isn't easy. Everybody recognizes me. It's constant. So, you know, it's nice to be able to be doing all the things I do wherever I want to be, but in the privacy of my own space. Um, it's just great. So I would definitely say this. And also, in fantasy sports, you know, you set your lineup. But if your players get injured or your players fail you, it's not really your fault. You know what I mean? It's not your fault. And, yes, you benched somebody you could have played, but come on. Like, it's not the end of the world, whereas, you know, things go wrong on set that are much different. And there's a lot more people that have a lot more money on the line. So it's a lot more stressful. There's a lot more judgment. And there's a lot more people judging each other. And it's more competitive. In this scenario, like, right now I'm going to be undefeated in one of the host leagues after this matchup. And believe it or not, I got up at 4.30 in the morning to listen to the host that I'm up against because I couldn't see the player that he has going tonight. I'm up 27 points. He has Joe Mixon going. My fear was he had Connor or Juju, right? So I had to get up so I could spy on his show and hear this. None of this is stressful. It's all just incredibly fun, and I cannot believe that I've parlayed my male following to this world, and then I've also shown this world that just because a girl is in the adult film world doesn't mean she might not have a brain and she might not be, you know, good at other things. 100%. Uh, for any of Lisa's fantasy football advice or picks, you can follow her on Twitter at, at the real Lisa N. And Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank to you, Lisa. It was it was an absolute pleasure, and uh, you have a great rest of the day, and good luck to Joe Mixon and your fantasy team. No, no, no. I don't want Joe Mixon to score anything because I want to crush this. I want to stay undefeated. I know he's probably not going to score 27 fantasy points, but still, when you're sweating a matchup, it's real. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, stay connected so that I can do a nice press release and get all my people listening, and I know they're going to come right over because I really enjoyed listening to your podcast as well. Fantastic. Thank, Thank you, you so much, and hey, Lisa. And maybe we – wait, should we go up against each other maybe this weekend? Should we challenge each other at Bavada? 100%. percent talk about it. Absolutely. All right, so make sure that your listeners use my promo code, BVLisa1000. Everybody come join. Let's make it the biggest Bavada event of the century. <laughs> All right, Lisa, thank you so much. You got it, guys. Thank you so much. Talk to you. And listen, uh, we, how do I – can you guys hit me on Twitter so I can follow you? I can't believe I talked yeah. to you and I didn't know it was you. Okay, make sure you hit me up. Absolutely.
Absolutely, Absolutely. no problem. Or I'll find you guys as well. I'll look for you right now. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Welcome back to the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. And again, thank you to the lovely Lisa Ann. Uh, Lisa, like we said in that, like she said in that podcast, uh, all of our listeners, let's all join up in her Bavada League this week. Uh, I guarantee you it will be the only time you can play head to head fantasy sports against a celebrity. Uh, you can thank us later. But like we said in the podcast, let's blow that up. Let's make it really big. And let's have some fun playing some fantasy football. But while fantasy football is going on in the reality world of baseball, we are right in the midst of the postseason. So with all that said, we will give you our final standings update of the year. Uh, so in the ALS, AL East, wow, I don't even know what I was just saying. Any, yeah, big interview for Chase. He's not, he needs to, deep breath, Chase. need to just take some deep breaths. Interview's over. We're back. Sam commented how my voice naturally reverberates and... It has me a little self-conscious right now. So I apologize for any miscues because of that. AL East. East, not to be confused with Weast, as SpongeBob said. I think that's what I needed to shake it off a little bit, right? See, I got you guys laughing. New York Yankees. I thought you said Weast. Stepbrother. What are you doing? All right, now that we got all the giggles out. AL East champ, New York Yankees, 103-59. and AL Central, you have the Minnesota Twins, 101 and 61. AL West, the Houston Astros with an MLB leading 107, five, 107 wins. They finished 107 and 55. Wild card, you have the A's, 97 and 65. They're going to be hosting the 96 and 66 Tampa Bay Rays. I think the big thing here, guys, is well, I'll ask you this first. Are there any surprises of where these teams finished? Other than the fact that the Red Sox did not win 90 games. The Twins getting to 101 wins is remarkable. Very big surprise. Rocco in his first season as manager with that team. Underwhelming payroll. Not really a whole lot of star talent. To get up to 101 wins, that was very impressive. I know I'm jumping ahead here, but I don't know if you guys saw the athletic article where they had all the baseball writers pick the first round games and actually the entire postseason. A lot of guys were taking the Twins to beat the Yanks. Yeah. I mean, they're due. If a team was ever due to beat another team, it goes like Globetrotters and the Generals at the top, and then the Twins and the Yankees just below. But Chase, like we say, how many times have we lost bets because we go on the old they're due principle? Pretty much every single time. Exactly. The Yanks, I, I'm not worried about the Twins. So let me ask you guys this. I, I think this was the first year, really, that we had a team... The Rays won 90 games last year and missed the wild card. Um, and 90 wins is great, but the Indians won 93 games this year and finished three games out of the second wild card spot. So I just want to ask you guys this as big baseball fans like myself. Do you think that the two wild cards and knowing that the 96-win Rays team is still in, even though they have the fifth-best record in the AL, do you think two wild card teams makes it more exciting down the stretch? Or would you rather have seen a scenario where – the Rays, A's, and Indians are all competing for one spot. And I know this year is kind of an anomaly in that regard because in the American League, either won 90 games or lost 90 games. There wasn't a ton of in-between average teams. Uh, but I'm just curious to know your guys' thoughts, uh, especially as we're heading into the playoffs now. I like the two, the two spots. It makes, it very, it makes it much more interesting. I mean, you would have had a scenario where two 93-plus win teams don't make the playoffs. I don't think that's what baseball wants. I think having... These elite teams, or even these subpar teams, to keep it like a team like the Diamondbacks, who sold to the deadline for them to be competitive up until the last two weeks of the season, was the ultimate goal of the second wild card, and it makes it that much more interesting for 
half to two-thirds of the fan bases around the league. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it obviously depends on the sport. Um, I think oftentimes, though, the best the best recipe for the playoffs is as many teams in as possible. Um, you know, people talk about expanding the college football playoff, but ultimately you want any team that's got a shot, you want them to ha- have their fair shake, um, and I think this kind of does that. Yeah, there is a part of me that does miss the old format just because, and somebody on The Athletic wrote about this, I think the two wild card teams does cheapen division and pennant races a little bit. Uh, and what I mean by that was, you know, the A's and – I'm going to use the A's and the Rays as an example, the two wild card teams. I mean, the Yankees finished with 103 wins. The Yankees finished with 103. The Astros finished with 107 wins. But those two teams, because they knew there were two wild card spots, they never really felt that threatened for the postseason, even though – entering September, they were upwards of 10 games back in the division. Uh, so I do think there is something to be said with those teams that have a little more, I don't know if sense of urgency is what I want to use, but a little more competitive spirit. Um, but I do think it is cool for the wild card. You know, you mentioned the Diamondbacks, but also upstart teams where you look at the Royals run to the 2014 World Series. They ultimately lost in a heartbreaking seven-game series, but that wild card game, they came back in the game itself and then went on an entire run throughout the postseason. If only one team gets in, that doesn't happen. Right. But at the same time, the Yankees and the Astros shouldn't have had much, if any, urgency and stress about, like... Sorry, I'm not saying urgency for the division leaders. I'm saying the teams behind them. Right, but but they were the, they were the two best teams in the AL by far. I don't think anybody would really argue with that. And the fact that they didn't have to worry is kind of appropriate. It's, it's a 162-game season for a reason, and it came out that they didn't have to worry about it at the end of the year. So I I think in that sense, it's kind of a good thing. The one thing I don't like with the new system compared to the old system, I liked how back in the day, the one seed could not play the wildcard card if they were in the same division. Like last year, we had the Yanks-Red Sox matchup and the DS. I like division matchups to be reserved for the CS. I agree. That's the one thing that I complain about the system. Yeah, I, I agree. I think from MLB standpoint... You know, I think more often than I think when this was made, to be honest, and it hasn't shaken out that way, shaken out that way. But I think they had to have thought there's going to be two teams from the AL East every single year. Right. So if we can get, it got that Blue Jays Orioles matchup they wanted. It's true, which in my mind reads as, oh my God, we could potentially have a Yankee Red Sox matchup in the first round of the playoffs every single year. That's a best case scenario for us. That that said, we all grew up watching Yankees Red Sox ALCS oh, series. Yeah, there is, and, and oh. there w- there is nothing like that in baseball. When I mean, the me- and from a meaningful meaningfulness standpoint, you know, you make it out of the first round, it's great. But if you're playing to go to the World Series, there's a little more. Right. You wanna you wanna see you the want two Game best- Seven Yankees Red Sox right. every year if possible in the ALCS. And now with this new system. It's harder to get that. It's hard. And I think in the National League, uh, conversely, I think maybe they thought the same thing about the NL Central. Like, man, we could get some combination of Cardinals-Cubs, Cubs-Pirates, Cubs-Reds, Cubs-Brewers. Like, all those teams, if they could get those matchups, too, I think they're stoked. Yeah. Same with the NL East. NL West, the Dodgers, and whoever. It's Dodgers-Giants. Yeah, they got to just hope for Dodgers-Giants, which hasn't been a thing. Uh, moving to the National League, Braves won back-to-back, and at least they finished with a 97-65 and record. The Cardinals almost blew it. Um, the last five games of the season, they lost four in a row heading into Sunday and then absolutely trounced the Cubs behind their ace, Jack Flaherty, uh, who finishes a second half for the ages, .91 ERA, third lowest in the second half of baseball history. 
They won the NL Central with a 91 and 71 record. Dodgers ran away with it again. Seventh Street Division crowns 106 and 66 record. And the NL Wild Card for a while, Sam and I were kicking me because I picked the Nationals to go to the World Series against the Yankees, and they fit started the year 19 and 31 and. Way back when, when Alex was still doing this every week, uh, so that gives you some perspective. So we'll call that thirteen episodes ago, maybe something like that, <laughs> give or take. If we're thirty in, uh, the Nationals looked like they were dead in the water, and ninety-three wins is nothing to scoff at. Nope. So I'm pretty happy with my Nationals pick, and the Brewers riding the wave of momentum, eighty-nine and seventy-three, second wild card. Uh, any surprises that you guys saw in the National League? Honestly, to me, these three division winners, I, I didn't think. I thought the Cubs were going to be in the playoffs. I didn't think they would be an 84-85 win team. Uh, but if you had told me the Cardinals were going to win the division, I mean, they were my they had my MVP and Cy Young pick, Paul Goldschmidt and Jack Flaherty. If you don't make the playoffs with the MVP and Cy Young, the rest of your team is stuck in mud. Yeah. Caught ourselves on the back for not falling for the Mets charade. We knew they weren't going to be in. The we did fall for the Philly charade a little bit. We may have fallen for we that. We drank the Kool-Aid a little. But, but we, were, we hung tough. We knew the Mets weren't getting in. Guess that doesn't make us geniuses by any stretch, but betting against the Mets is that's pretty easy to do. Yeah, I wouldn't commend yourselves too much for. One thing I want to say, just because now seems like as good a time as ever to get it in, uh, when we're talking about drinking the Phillies Kool Aid, they finished five hundred this year, eighty-one, eighty-one. That's a one-game improvement, right? And to anybody who says it's Bryce Harper's fault that the team sucked, I, I just I know he's making so much money, um, but it's not as much money. We've talked about this. It's not as much money as people think because of the length. $24 million a year is a big number, but it's not astronomical. That's like a little bit more than the Yankees are paying Jacoby Ellsbury this year. And, I mean, if I tell you guys these numbers, you tell me if these are elite numbers. Maybe I'm wrong. 35 homers, 98 runs, 36 doubles, 114 ribbies, 372 on base percentage, 882 OPS, walked 100 times, hell, even stole 15 bases. I know Harper's the easy scapegoat, but I just want to give him some love because I think it's BS. He's he's an easy scapegoat, but yeah, he that's a, that's about what he's been doing every year of his career. Yeah, people who expected more than that were fooling themselves. He does he gets thirty plus homers, hundred plus RBIs, doesn't have a great average. That's what he's known for. That's what he does. One thing I will say too, um, defensively on Baseball Reference, his defensive WAR last year was a negative three point two, uh, and, and I don't know the metrics that go into defensive WAR. I'm not going to pretend that I know him, uh, but he was. That means he's a below average defender. This year, point two. So if you com- if you improve your defensive WAR by three, that's a huge improvement. So he improved himself defensively, and for what it's worth, 157 games he played in and had a much better year than Manny Machado. Well, Machado, <coughs> Machado had a very bad year for the Padres. As most Padres had a bad year for the Padres, and they lost Tatis. But this isn't about the Padres; it's about Harper. And I think I don't think the Phillies regret that contract one bit. I think you want Harper if you can put a guy like Bryce Harper on your team. You can sign up for thirty-five homers a year. You do it every time. And like you said, twenty-four million a year, big picture, not a crazy AAV. So I mean, you can blame him if you want. He's really easy because that three hundred whatever million dollar upfront guaranteed money but he did, he's fine he did he did what he does so our final league leaders of the year um, batting average Sam again I apologize Tim Anderson 337 Real batting champ Edge Valamehu uh, as a Yankee fan hurt but such be it in the National League he actually had a tie uh, 329 but when it went to the decimal point 
Christian Yelich led the NL in hitting over Cattell Marte. Um, I, I guess if you're a Diamondbacks fan or a Cattell Marte fan, though, do you still consider him a batting champ? No. Like on the baseball card, both of their baseball cards next year are going to say they hit 329 this year. Are they both going to have slanted and bold things on baseball reference? Let me look right now. I don't know. It's a very good question. I mean, sure. If you're looking for some... If I'm Cartel Marte... Cartel Marte, not bolded. If I was his agent, I would be banging the drum that he's a batting champ. Of course. But and If, if, that's, if you want to hang your hat on him being the batting champ, go ahead. Right. Yelich won. Home run leaders. We're going to do a high five before this one. We thought Bryce mushed him. We thought he pulled off the mush of all mushes. But Jorge Soler hit three home runs last week in his last two games of the year. 48 homers. He's the first Royal ever to lead the league in home runs. All it took was Mike Trout not playing almost the last month of the season. But that's beside the point. Uh, And Pete, Pete Alonso, the polar bear, I was there Friday when he tied Aaron Judge with 52. Uh, his 53rd home run led all of Major League Baseball and also set the rookie record. Um, it came this Sunday against a Mike Fultonevich fastball at the dead center. Uh, 415 feet. Really, really cool to see. Um, no rookie since 1900 had won the outright home run title in the American League. He became the National the, League. In the National League. See? This is why I have you guys around for when my brain turns to mush. He became the third home run derby ever to finish a season with the most homers, joining Ryan Howard and Sammy Sosa. <coughs> and along the way, he set the Met franchise record for homers, total bases, and extra base hits in a season. Absolute beast. And Aaron Judge is even going to take him out for dinner. If you could remove all bias, Chase, Judge or Alonzo for the next 10 years? Judge. Why? Only because I think Judge... Is a 10-15 stolen base guy here very sneakily. And I think with Alonzo, you can only add so much defensive value at first. Judge, especially with the short porch and right field at Yankee Stadium. Let me ask you this then real quick to jump into your question. They're both playing for the Yanks and Mets, right? Because that, to me, ties into it a little bit. Sure. I would still want Judge. I think he's an elite right fielder. I think this year might be the year he gets some gold glove support for it. Um, but it's still a lot of time. Yeah, I know, but the metrics really back him up still. Uh, to me, you're like picking 1A, 1B in New York. And from a leadership and a personality standpoint, doesn't get better than Judge Alonzo. I mean, these are two class acts who really could be the next Derek Jeter, David Wright for years to come for the Yanks and Mets. I don't think that's outlandish to say already. Not at all. No, I'd agree with everything you just said there. You know the Mets have uh, shirt fry... Free shirt Friday? Every Friday. Yeah, I didn't know that. I got a free shirt Friday. I saw Ging. I meant to tell you that. Really? I saw Ging at the Yankee game, or the Met game Friday. Did you take a free shirt? I don't know. What he are wasn't the chances the free shirt would have fit Ging? Um, they were a large, so they're not fitting me or Ging. So let me just answer that for you right there. Ging looked good, though. Ging was looking slender. I don't think I like slender Ging. Right. As a concept. We'll talk about this later. Uh, I'm going to power through the rest of the offense. Chicken palm and a pet. RBIs, Jose Abreu in the AL 123, Rendon in the NL 126. Um, base percentage and slugging, Trout and Yelich led the league in both categories as well as OPS. Doubles, Devers 54, Rendon 44 in the NL. But shout out to Nick Castellanos who had 58 total. Runs, Mookie Betts 135, Ronald Acuna 127. Hit, hits, Whit Merrifield 206, Ozzy Albies 189. War, Bellinger led all of baseball with nine. But the interesting thing is, at the end of the year, Mike Trout did not lead the American League in war. It was Alex Bregman at 8.4. Food for thought. 
I'm uh, just looking at how much we've already spoken. We're going to table our awards predictions to next week. But remember that for next week. Also remember Mental that the postseason rate. doesn't count because Bregman rakes in the postseason. I don't want that to have any impact. Does Trout rake in the postseason? <laughs> He's played three games. It's hard to tell. Yeah, exactly. Pitching side of things, Verlander led the AL in wins, 21. Strasburg, NL, 18. ERA, Garrett Cole, 2-5. Hungjin Ryu, 2-3-2. Whip, Justin Verlander, 0.8 in the AL. Jacob DeGrom and Jack Flaherty, 0.97 in the NL. Who won when it goes down to it? I haven't gotten that info yet. You know, let me look at, I'll look at DeGrom's page right now. That will actually be able to tell me. DeGrom's page, he does not have the bold for whip. Does Flaherty? Let me see. This could be, uh, this could actually swing my Cy Young opinion for next week. Jack Flaherty's got the bold. All right. Ooh, Beck, my Cy Young pick is looking better by the second. Innings pitch, Verlander 223 in the AL, Strasburg 209 in the NL, saves Roberto Ozuna 38 in the AL, Kirby Yates 41 in the NL, and war for pitchers, Verlander and Mike Miner 7.8 in the AL, Jacob DeGrom 7.3 in the NL. So we just mentioned Mike Miner, and I just want to ask you guys this real quick. Oh, no. So he against the Red Sox was on 125 pitches and was one strikeout away from 200, and they let a foul ball. The first baseman, Guzman, clearly could have caught drop, and he struck out the hitter on the next batter. Legit or BS in your guys' mind? Well, one... Legit for me. It's legit, but the more important thing is, does 200 strikeouts even matter? I think it's still a, a nice round number you shoot for. It doesn't have the same meaning like it used to. I think 200 strikeouts is the new 30. Verla- Verlander and Cole had 300. Sure. I think 200 strikeouts is the new 30 home runs. It's still a relevant milestone, but it seems like everyone's doing it nowadays. If, I mean, Mike Miner, congrats on the great season. And if you really needed this to go home and sleep at night, more power to you. I also think the Red Sox hitter just could have not struck out on the next pitch. So any Red Sox complaint. Or any of the prior batters who struck out. Yeah, he he did strike the guys out. He did strike out two hundred guys. And shout out to Verlander on that note. Uh, Verlander on Saturday night uh, became the 18th pitcher with 3,000th career strikeouts and the 19th in the modern era to record 300 strikeouts in a season. All goes to the Cy Young narrative, and he's going to need every bit of it to beat out his teammate Garrett Cole. Uh, before we do our playoff picks, a couple things on the managerial carousel. Joe Mannon's out in Chicago after five years. He led the Cubs to a World Series in 2016, uh, their first since 1908. He broke the curse. Um, Brad Ausmus also got fired today after a 72 and 90 year. Madden, was Madden fired or did they just not? It was mutual. They said they shared a bottle of wine, and him and Theo were like, yeah, it was time to part ways. Um, Brad Ausmus was let go after one year, two years left on his deal, 72 and 90. So I mentioned those together. Uh, by saying, do you think there's any shot Mannon does now not wind up as the next manager of the Angels, given his history there? He's going to the Angels. Joe Mannon and Mike Trout, what a time to be alive. And Otani. I wonder what what Madden does with Otani. I think there are going to be some hilarious press conferences, if nothing else. And pools. And on the Chicago side of things, I mean, I think they'll interview people, but I think you said it perfectly when the Yankees interviewed other candidates, even if Aaron Boone was kind of the favorite all along. Do you think Chicago is going to do the same thing with David Ross now? It's different with Boone and Ross because Boone, Boone was remo- very far removed from the Yankees. Ross, a lot of his teammates on the World Series team are that's still on still the that's, like a, that's almost like when you became my counselor after being my CIT. And being my friend, only two years difference, where it's like, how much respect is there even going to be for a guy who's just that much older than you? Yeah, I think if anyone's going to do it, it's David Ross. 
Uh, Clint Hurdle also out in Pittsburgh. Uh, they finished this year with a 69 and 93 record, worst in the NL Central. Um, it was the franchise's worst season since 2010. They were two and a half games behind the first place Cubs in the NL Central at the All Star break. They were one game under 500, but then won four of their next 28 games. Hurdle 735, 720, and one over nine seasons in Pittsburgh. Very intrigued to know about the tie, as I'm saying this out loud. Uh, but Pittsburgh season, so many controversies between. I think it was a ran out that didn't get Felipe played. Vasquez being a bad man, fights in the dugout, this and that. Is this Pittsburgh job at all attractive, in your opinion, just given that they traded the farm for Chris Archer and all the clubhouse turmoil this year? I don't even have any gauge on who a favorite might be. I have no idea who the favorite would be. It has to be the least attractive of all these openings. Oh, yeah. I mean, San Diego and the rest of these openings are attractive openings. San Diego, those guys, they want to spend money. They already have Machado, Hosmer, Myers, Tatis, Paddock, like we touched on last week. This Pittsburgh job has nothing, but they need – they just – they need an – they need an all-around culture change. I don't know how the GM kept his job. Yeah, it's amazing that Neil Huntington's had his job for so long. Sam, I want to bring you in for this next question, and then we'll do our quick playoff picks for the first round. Red Sox have openly said they want to get under the $208 million luxury tax competitive balance level. Mookie Betts in arbitration is going to make at least $30 million on this one-year deal, and that's before you give him an extension for next season. They said it's going to be very tough to keep him and J.D. Martinez I think Mookie's going to be the one to go. Rapid-fire reaction. Where do you think Mookie Betts is playing opening day next year? Awesome. I respectfully disagree. Bryce? <laughs> we talked about this earlier. When me and Bryce also, if you want a romantic picture to go with our Lisa Ann interview, uh, Bryce and I sat in Battery Park sharing a fresh baguette and a thing of brie cheese. That is that baguette, way. not burguette. We shared a baguette and cheese. I think what we just there are certain teams that could do it. The Dodgers make a lot of sense, but realistically, the team that makes the most sense, probably the Padres with their prospects and they're just they need a win. The Padres seem to be the do anything organization, and doing an all nothing trade for Mookie Betts to go on top of Machado fits what they're doing. There. You just mentioned them. I think Mookie's going to be a Dodger. I think the rich get richer. They haven't spent money in a while. It actually depends on the Dodgers postseason. Payroll is pretty manageable at the moment. Jock Peterson's gone, so you have a spot in the outfield. Uh, and they have the farm system to do it and the money to spend. God help us all. Yeah, if he ends up on the Dodgers, that, that, that'll be a tough one to climb for the rest of the NL. So, postseason picks for the first round. We'll start with the AL wildcard, Athletics, and the Rays. It's going to be Sean Manea versus Charlie Morton. Oakland won the season series 4-3, and they split the four-game series in Oakland. As great as the Rays have been all year, I think the A's just have that Billy Bean Gypsy Magic on their side this year. Give me Oakland. Got to go with the Gypsy Magic and the A's. At home especially, that's a weird place to play always. I know the Rays were 2-2 two and two there, but still weird. And they'll pack the Coliseum. Oh, yeah. It doesn't get packed a lot, but they will pack it. Agreed. They don't have a Raiders game for a month. Right? The Raiders have some weird scheduling thing. This is the only event in Oakland going on until November. Oakland will be there. Oakland will be loud. All right, ALDS, the one-four matchup, is going to be the Astros versus AL wildcard winner. Game one is Friday. It's Justin Verlander versus, we'll probably say it's going to be, let's go, Brett Anderson or Doesn't matter. Blake Snell. Um, but Houston was 11-8 and eight against Oakland this year, and the Rays won the season series 4-3. I think one of these teams will... Steal game three. I think the Zach Greinke game will be low scoring and they'll steal it. But I like the A's to win, or the excuse me, the Astros, whose name starts with an A, to win in four. I think the A's push it to five. 
but having that game five in Houston. But then in classic Oakland fashion. In classic Oakland, they lose in game five in the ALDS, like they do every time they seem to get you the ALDS, especially if the Astros are going to be able to roll out Verlander and then with a short yeah. leash go to Cole. Yeah. That's tough. All right, and the 2 3 matchup for the ALDS. That's going to be this Friday. Yankees Twins, James Paxton and Jose Barrios in Game 1. Yanks won the season series 4-2. It was the first two teams in MLB history to hit 300 homers in a season. Twins ended up edging the Yanks out 307-306. James Paxton's butt is literally hurting right now. He's got some nerve damage in his glute, which worries me a little bit. But I think the Twins, as great as they were, I think the Yankees are too good to be bounced in the first round. I do think this goes to 5, though. Um, but I like the Yankees in five. Twins don't beat the Yanks. Simple as that. Yep. Yanks will win the first two at home easily, and then it's whether or not it's a. I don't know what they're going to do game three pitching wise. Maybe they throw the game, but Yanks get this done in four at the most. Interesting strategy by Bryce that the Yankees should throw a postseason game. I'm uh, we'll see how it pays off. Yeah. You want to throw the, the game in the short series? Yeah, the, Yank- the Yanks are going to win this one. I don't think it'll be too close. All right, moving to the National League NL wild card game. You have the Nationals. That's true. We did pick it, but just to reiterate, we're all taking. I'm taking the Nats. You're Brewers. taking Brewers. All right, I'm the only Nats lover. Uh, Dodgers are hosting the winner of the wild card game. It's going to be Ryu versus Strasburg, and truly, who the hell knows for the Brewers in Game Two? Uh, let's say Gio Gonzalez, because why not? Gio's a good dude. Is he even on the team, so yeah. Um, Dodgers won the season series 4-3 versus the Nats and 4-3 versus the Brewers. No matter who wins this, I think if it's the Brewers and they win, I think it's a sweep. And if it's the Dodgers, I think Strasburg wins game one, actually, against Ryu. Uh, and then the Dodgers win three in a row, Dodgers and four. I think the Nats would get the Dodgers. I think this is the time the Nats would turn it around and beat them. But I have the Brewers beating the Nats, so I will go Dodgers over the Brewers pretty easily. All right, and our final... Beck's not going to pick this one? Oh, sorry, Beck. I'm picking the Dodgers. The Dodgers, it's... This, I think it was kind of like a formality one, yeah, but... <laughs> this, this is, yeah. Might might be a sweep. If it's not a sweep, it'll be four. Uh, Braves-Cardinals on Thursday. It's going to be Dallas Keuchel versus Miles McCollis or Dakota Hudson. Cardinals haven't announced a starter yet. Jack Flaherty's going game two because he pitched in game 162 Sunday. Braves won the season series 4-2. This is actually a series that a lot of people... You mentioned that athletic article before. A lot of people picked the Cardinals. Um, I just think the Braves... I mean, any holes they had, they went in at the trade deadline and filled them up. They got Melanson. Uh, they got Shane Green to fill out the back of that bullpen. Even, like, the Francisco Cervellis of the world to give them depth. Um, I like the Braves in a sweep, honestly. Braves are win this one easily. Yep. Quick series. All right. Those are your picks for the division series. When we pick back up next Monday, we will be... The National League Series actually could be done because they will have Game 3 Sunday. The American Leagues will be Game 3 next Monday with Sam Beck and Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Minorski, and this is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Mm-hmm.